Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to chapter, what I believe is three of Broken Oars Indoors. And today we have for you the absolutely delightful Frankie Newbury, who can be found on Instagram as the unruly coach. Um, Frankie is a CrossFit coach and an indoor rowing coach, both, very important to note. Um, and we are talking to her about her journey into uh, both CrossFit and indoor rowing, how she got there, how she has become better, and what the sport has done for her and what it means to her. We are indeed. And I'm just going to say, dear listeners, that uh, Loon has been working on his 3-2-1 Ted Rogers countdown because his, his, his cue in then was flawless. It was flawless. He didn't get lost between three and two or between two and one or between one and the clap. It was amazing. Frankie was, when Loon says Frankie was delightful, we do not mean that in a misogynistic or a uh, patriarchal way. You know, we are used to rowing coaches who are dour figures who just shout at you to pull harder or row longer or for God's sake, is that your 2K score? And Frankie burst into our lives last week in a bundle of energy. She was... a uh, just wonderful to talk to and we took so much from it uh, which is largely that you know we should probably have just stayed as indoor rowers rather than ever getting on the water they're so much friendlier she talked very very openly and movingly about how exercise and crossfit and indoor rowing uh, was a mechanism and a strategy for her to deal with feelings of loneliness when she moved to a new place how it helped her to build uh, links within that new place, which is up in York, how it helped her to um, establish herself with new new friendship groups, with new um, communities, and how it it's really, really helped her personally, to the point where she actually gave up what I'm sure was a, a very successful career in another field to go full-time into being a CrossFit coach. It was a lovely chat and one that I enjoyed hugely. Yeah, we're I believe that we're going to be able to it's not only this chat we'll be able to speak to Frankie in a month or so in the future and we can find out and compare notes on how we got on in the British Rowing Virtual Indoor Championships. Yeah, I think I got that right because we're professionals. <laughs> um, we're professionals. We make notes. Sometimes we even read them. Uh, so for your enjoyment and for your delight, Frankie Newbury. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Broken Oars Indoors, Chapter 3. Um, we are continuing our investigation of the indoor rowing side of rowing. And today um, we are joined by Frankie Newbury, uh, who can be found as the unruly coach on Instagram. Please go and look her up and follow her there. Um, Frankie. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you very you. much for coming and speaking to us. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your history and how you got into indoor rowing? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm Frankie. I'm uh, based up in York. Very, very, very proud Yorkshire lass. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm in my in my thirties. Very much in my thirties now. Um, and I have a background in law, so my background's not sport. And I went on maternity leave and decided to do my personal training qualifications, um, just as a kind of 
thing that I fancied learning more about. And when I did that, I started teaching a few circuits classes and drifted my way back to CrossFit, which is known for using um, the concept two ergs. And I very oddly just randomly quit my job um, <laughs> my full-time job when I'd gone back after mat leave um, and I decided to become a coach full-time and we did a fundraising event which was a marathon run we had done no no specific training for none like none at all um, one person did and he he was brilliant um, and I saw my soul leave my body about halfway through and um, decided I can't be this rubbish I need to get better and um, so just sat by his side whenever I saw him on a row I'd hopped on next to him and I just copied whatever he did and um, I started to fall in love with it and realized actually this is really fun this is great and just start to do a little bit of competing and realized actually specifically in CrossFit, that's my thing, that's what I coach. Um, there's kind of a lack of understanding of the skill and the, the, the technique that's needed for it. It's just used as a, how can we get this many calories so we can move on to the next movement? Um, and so I started reading about it more and decided that I wanted to kind of go into the coaching side of it. So I'm currently doing my um, Concept 2 accreditation with Dark Horse Rowing. Um, and now I take a rowing for CrossFit class on um, on a Monday at my local box and we um, I do a bit of online programming for people who want to kind of start to understand how to use uh, the egg a little bit more. So, yeah. Nice. Right. Can I just dive into something there? You you said when you're on your maternity leave and yes. and this is like a weirdly sort of personal thing because my wife is an exercise psychologist yeah and she actually has written the government guidelines for exercise in pregnancy and no it's just exercise in pregnancy not postpartum that, yeah. that's that's really important um but what was it that said right i'm going to so like go to this like very fitness orientated route after maternity leave but what, what was it sort of like driving that one so i actually taking the level two and level three i only i only really did that to kind of inform myself a little bit because i'm a bit of a nerd so um i previously i was quite a lot bigger um I was probably about four, four stone bigger. Um, and then I, I lost a lot of weight, but mainly just through running, no real understanding of kind of, I just started running, gave it a bash and, and lost quite a bit of weight. Um, then got pregnant, had quite a tough pregnancy. So I piled weight back on and it was a little bit, it was really driven of like, well, how can I do this better? How can I make this like a, um, I don't like to say lifestyle change because that gets battered around as well, but how can I make this work for my life? Like how, what, what is it that I need to do? What are the right things to do? How do I make um, myself and my body feel healthy? So that's what drove me to do um, my level three because I was really, um, 
I was I was dead still basically during pregnancy because I had a load of pelvic pain, migraine, so I couldn't really do much. Um, and I had been quite active. So it was about finding my feet with that again. And I felt a little bit lost after um pregnancy. Um because I'm a chatterbox, as you've probably guessed. So it was kind of my thing of like, where, who am I? Where do I fit? So that's why that started. Um, <coughs> and then as, as I got into that, I kind of realized the impact it can have. And I start to see myself, like, especially after um, those early, early motherhood days, um, finding my feet and finding my confidence and going, actually, I like who I am when I'm doing this. And it kind of more became about the person that I am rather than um, the actual exercise itself. And I think that's where it all came from. So I very much drive from um, how do you feel? What, how, what makes you happy? And that's kind of what drives my work. And so that's where the name came from, the unruly coach of, I actually don't care what the scales say about you. I'm, I'm not going to kick off at you if you haven't pick and mix because that's my thing too. And um, that's where it all came from. <laughs> we love sweets. I, yeah. Anyone who tells you to cut out sweets, they're wrong. <laughs> Y'all live a happy life with no sugar. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my wife who is, who has the reputation I think both at our kids' school and their nursery for being the food Nazi, one of her major reasons to go to the cinema is the pick and mix. So it's like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so what, what, I mean, sort of obviously you, you your focus is, is CrossFit. What what brought you into that? How how did you say, oh, I know, I'll go and do this immensely intense, kind of insane, <coughs> to be slightly dangerous activity where I throw large lumps of metal above my head? Um, so I'd given it a bash before I was pregnant. Um, because you can't, you probably can't tell too much, but I'm I'm only five foot four. And I'm quite broad and everyone goes, no, you're not. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing. I'm quite a stocky build. Um, and so that drive to be teeny tiny or really lean just never worked for me. And um, I kind of thought, oh, well, I'm quite strong. So I was looking for something to do like Olympic weightlifting and, and finding that, but I couldn't really find anywhere that specialised in that. So I actually went... Oh, the owner of my box is going to kill me. I went to the other gym. <laughs> I went to the other CrossFit box. <laughs> um, and it, it gave me some good foundations, um, but I never truly settled there. And I think it, that is one of the biggest things in CrossFit is the community and finding the people around you. So um, then when I was pregnant, I couldn't really train anyway. So that kind of fizzled out and it was a bit hit and miss for me anyway, whether I went or not. Um, and it came to about, my little girl was about two, just about to turn two. And I turned to my husband and I said, I don't really have any friends. And that sounds like a really sad thing to say, because um, I live in one of the most beautiful places in the country and people would have given their right arms to be in the position I was a healthy little girl, a lovely husband, lovely house, all the rest of it. Um, and I just felt, horrifically lonely and I said because I didn't grow up here this is my my mum moved here when I was at university so when I came home 
I came to a completely different place. And I said, I need to do something to try and find some friends or we need to move. Um, and we were talking about going back where I grew up and that sort of thing. And I said, right, well, I'm just going to give this this a bash. And it was genuinely like a last ditch attempt of um, am I going to settle here? Am I actually going to properly settle here? Um, and and that was two and a half years ago. And I've never looked back. I went and um, two of the loveliest guys put their arms around me as soon as we met. And they were like, right, we'll look after you. And then that was it. Um, so it, it comes across intimidating. CrossFit does come across intimidating. There's no getting away from that. Um, but particularly our box, we have people who are in their seventies or we've got, um, kids who have just turned six and we've got all of this massive range of abilities. We've got people who've never walked in a gym before who come in. Um, and then we've got like on the complete opposite end, we've got people who compete, um, at European uh, championships and come up on the podium so um it is really the biggest range of people and when i saw that and how actually but they all just pile in together and start learning how to do it and the coach says three two one go and it doesn't matter who you are and what you can and can't do you're doing it together that that was it just fell in love cool aaron do do you think that rowers might be able to identify with the idea of you know, finding friends in a, a social world at, at a sports club. I, I don't know where you're going with this, Lewin. I think you're trying to suggest that, that rowers and rowing clubs can be somewhat intimidating for new people to go down to and that we can be somewhat standoffish about those who don't know anything about the sport. I, I didn't have to knock three times and then beg for entry when I went to age club at all. They were so welcoming. They weren't sarcastic about my 2K score. What are you, what are you driving at, Lewin? What are you driving no, at, lad? I, 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 was, I was just thinking that sort of like quite possibly for the past, think about it, 10 years of my life, my entire social, no, more, more. No, wh wh when were we rowing together at Agecroft? Like 2008, 2007? 2007, 2008. Yeah, so the, yeah, the last decade and a half of my life, I, my social life has revolved around a sports club. And... You know, and increasingly that that's online with indoor rowing because I got back into um, racing online uh, with sub seven, and that was like that's been really good fun. Um, but unfortunately, in rowing, I think your first experience of it, Lewin, it was a case of you know first you have to find the boathouse, then you have to know the secret password, and then once you actually get into it and you actually you actually pick it up and you stick with it and you, it then becomes about your crew and your boat. And even though you have club socials and that kind of thing, it can be at times, I, I think it would be fair to say it can be a little bit cliquey sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say that's a clear difference there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe that that's something that just for on the water listeners, can you just give, as an idea how you as a CrossFit coach and your box as a as an organization advertises itself and gets it out there I mean sort of like is there ever a time of day when you can't go down there and have someone come up to you and say hi how are you doing no we're always okay. there we're little weirdos 
<laughs> we're always hanging around we've got no other friends that's um, it I'm good. that's it i'm leaving rowing i'm taking up crossfit it's obviously <laughs> the way forward <laughs> um no there tends to be so if somebody just turned up at the box um we've got periods of time where it's not open open in terms of like we're not running classes or um there's a chance somebody's not there but generally speaking particularly weekdays somebody is there from 6 a.m until about half past eight at night so you would always walk in and see somebody um a coach would always be there um and if if a coach is busy so if we're doing like one-to-ones or or taking something chances are a member will just wander up to you and go you're all right mate <laughs> do you need anything um it's very much uh I do. It sounds. It sounds like one of those corporate jobs, doesn't it? We're a dysfunctional family, um, very much are. And there are the weird uncles and the uh, the drunk aunties and all the rest of it. But that's very much who we are. Um, I do think that isn't necessarily it in every single box. I think it's the same with any sports club. Okay. Um, that there is there will be clicks especially in um certain box if they're highly competitive or they're producing kind of top end athletes that can feel intimidating but then saying that we have um and i've been to boxes where they've sent people to um like the crossfit games or like the top level competitions and they're the first people to come to you and put the hand out so um i think it just depends on the culture you create um rich who owns our box um just wouldn't have it it is just not who he is so he wouldn't allow it to happen in his box yeah i mean i i don't want to give norwich rowing club where i I started too much a hard time but at at the time it was very much it was a tin shed on the side of a river sort of club but it was one of these things where i'd seen it on the map so it, it was you know google maps just kicked off and i knew where it was and I went there and there was just a gate leading into a field with a track. <laughs> and so I said, oh no, this can't be the right place. I'll, I'll come back some other time. I came back the next second time and I actually crossed the gate. I walked down, I must've walked for about hundred yards and I didn't see anything. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm completely in the wrong place. And then it was finally, I came back at the same, same time as someone who was obviously dressed in sporting kit was going in there. And I said, is this Norwich Rowing Club? And he said, yes. Um, is there someone I can speak to about joining? Uh, maybe. You probably want to come back on Saturday. And, I mean, literally, it was this question that I did have to knock three times before they let me in. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's that been a, a constant thing for me about rowing. It's just like, we, we should probably be better at, like, it isn't all it isn't all rowing clubs. I, I currently row at uh, Tyne United, and I have to say that they have been the most welcoming and accommodating club I've I've ever met. I know that when clubs like Agecroft and other clubs, um, which are also high performance centres, there's a lot of kind of time pressure on coaches and and, and crews. But just listening to what you're talking about, you know, it's we're talking about a cultural thing, and and if you make yourself open and welcome and welcoming and accommodating you're going to get more people into your club, which is better for it in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, go, go on. You're saying, I, I, was just, I was just going to wind, <coughs> I, I was just going to wind back to something that Frankie said earlier, something you said earlier about um, 
the unruly coach, the idea of doing what makes you happy rather than necessarily doing what, what you're supposed to in terms of a fitness regimen. And um, when I was 16, very, very oddly in the North, I went to the local gym, whereas all of my friends went to the, the pub. And now they're in their forties and they're suddenly realizing that they, they need to get fit. And they're kind of, you know, we're, they'll ring me up sometimes and ask for fitness advice. And I'll, you know, for example, say, well, let's start with a run and, you know, start with lamppost to lamppost and walking yeah. in between, maybe, maybe join a gym, maybe join a, a, a CrossFit and get a, an exercise habit going because they're kind of bolting it on top of their lifestyle as a, as almost like a penance or a, something they have to do to then get to the, the pint of beer or the, the, you know, the pizza at the weekend, it never actually sticks. Whereas I, I found it at 16 and really, really enjoyed being physical and and found my capacity to be physical. Um, is that kind of where you're coming from rather than it, it has to be sackcloth and ashes and, you know, you, you have to hit your calorie target in order to reward yourself. It's something you actually do for the sheer joy of movement and the sheer joy of being physical. Yes. Yeah. That, that, quite simply. Yes. Um, I have a really, very strong opinion. If, if it's a chore to you regularly, there are days where I, I go and train, I'm like, I would rather chop off my leg um, than, than do it. But to me now it is just, it's part and parcel of my day. So it just, it's sometimes it is just cram it in and then it's done and dusted. Other days it's all I'm, all I'm focused on. Like I need to get to that and then I can just have some headspace for me. Um, and I, I try and do that with all of my my personal clients and the same in class. Like our biggest goal um, as CrossFit coaches or rowing coach, like indoor rowing coaching, that sort of thing, is my aim is to give people the best hour of their day. And whether that be, so I had a client yesterday who has had a really rough time recently. We spent 40 minutes of the hour session, sat down talking and breaking down, right, what can we look at achieving? What's realistic for your life? And it, it had nothing to do with weight loss of a want to run 5K. It was about, actually, I want to be more efficient in this movement because that'll make my workouts easier. And then I can start looking forward to them again because I feel like I've lost that. And um, I've equally sent people, not away from me, that sounds like, no, I won't see you. But when I don't do the training that I think would suit them and from everything they've told me, coming to see me or coming to CrossFit would be kind of, uh, like you say, a punishment or a chore for them. And I know, go do Zumba. You like dancing. You think that's fun. Chucking a weight above your head isn't the same. It's it's not the same and you're not going to get the same enjoyment from it. And it might be different once you've got moving more and you're thinking, oh, actually, I want to do something harder. Let's try that. Um, but what sometimes what people are looking for is, is something I don't offer. And I think it's really important. I think that's one of the biggest things I can offer anybody is, is honesty and integrity and going, actually, that's not my bag. It is somebody else's. Let me help you. Let me help you find them. So um, it's, it's about finding something that actually resonates within you and then building on that. Absolutely. Which if you don't have an exercise habit or you haven't tried lots of different things can be quite, because I didn't find rowing until my mid twenties. And I tried everything from going to the gym and lifting weights to running to boxing to, and rowing was the thing that eventually clicked. Yeah. Um, but because I had the background in other things that kind of fed in. 
So it really is about, you might have to try some different things to find something that resonates with you. Because yeah. I, I found with my friends, they really want to do it, but because they don't have the the routine element, which means it's just, it's it's Monday, which means I am doing this, regardless of whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. And then on the good days, it's magical. Yeah. It's it, it's almost like they get into it and they stick with it for a bit and they never get quite over the hill to the other side where they get the momentum to carry on. So that that resonance is important. Yes, huge. Huge. And I think it's it's that moment. It's when you're trying to explain something, isn't it? You'll keep saying the same thing um, in different ways to somebody and then you'll see it. The penny drops. And it's the same with exercise, same with movement that keep trying these different things. That's that's not it. That, I don't know what you're talking about. Try something else. Try something else. Um, but we've kind of had a picture created that fitness is going to the gym, running on a treadmill, lifting some weights and going home. And that's that. And actually exercise is movement and that can be taking your dog for a power walk for an hour because that's what clears your head and you've got out you've got moving and it's more than you would have done before and that's really all all you're looking to do more than you would have done and that's good enough and once and then it becomes actually what can i do and it starts to become about what can i achieve with my body and um it, it can all grow from there or it might not and actually just taking your dog on a walk three times a week for a good hour rain or shine that that's okay too uh, we don't all have to become big weightlifters or rowers or um zumba instructors or or yoga like yogis or whatever i'm not very good with yoga i'm not good at stretching <laughs> <laughs> i can i can put them in complete all they're fantastic yeah. um, but we're not all going to do that and i think if we all place a huge amount of pressure on ourselves to become that and um, we're always going to feel like we're failing so we're always going to struggle to get over that hill and make it part of our life okay and and to go in like a possibly slightly obvious segue there how do you then i mean you've really focused on the joy of movement how do you kind of like bring people into indoor rowing with that joy because a lot of people even some rowers i know aaron <laughs> have possibly said that you know it's very difficult to find that joy in indoor rowing so so how do you kind of teach that drag them in kicking and screaming um, <laughs> that, that sounds like my experience of rowing on a rowing machine. Um, so for me, um, well, when I started the, the rowing classes, I thought they were going to really bomb. I thought might get a couple of people, but they are fully booked week on week. And um, I think we underestimate people's want to learn some, like learn and so we spend a good half of the session going through technique and understanding um and then we'll do like some intervals and then we'll do a workout sometimes the workout is pure pure indoor rowing other times it's um linked into like a crossfit workout so i, I alternate it week on week and a lot of the time the minute people start some understanding and, and why it's helpful um rather than looking at it as a standalone thing for most people um showing and demonstrating how it's useful has been the most successful approach so i've had uh somebody who's kind of does um she's training for, to do a bike across milan to venice um and nice. it's a way for her to build her power um 
kind of demonstrate mental toughness and so when she understood all of the reasons that was getting her on that rather than just shoving her on a bike it's like actually it's about putting you out your comfort zone and making you tolerate it sometimes um and that's she, and now she's like oh we're in today and she loves it um and there's a few people where they start to realize a lot of it has been confidence-based where they've gone oh well i can't do that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big, tall, strong rower. I'm like, I'm five foot four. Have you seen me? I'm five foot four and I'm a, I'm an indoor rower. What are you talking about? Come on. Um, and I do think actually it's look at the drawer, isn't it? My build has helped people see that you don't have to be um, kind of a, a stereotypical rower um, and just to, to, to enjoy it. And um yeah, I think that's that's helped too. I think there's a few things, and sometimes it's just you know they just hate it, and that's that, and 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 I I just have to accept that really sadly. <laughs> Can I dive in there before Lewin does? Uh, sorry, I'm amazed at this idea that, that that rowing has stereotypes. What what are you talking about? What, what are you... <laughs> I would. Do you know what? I would love to see that stereotype broken. I would love it. Um, I think also one of the things I've noticed is, and I, it's probably come from CrossFit because it's made the use of the rower kind of more mainstream and it's seen more often. Um, and I think that they're starting to become indoor rowing as its own sport. Um, Cause I have never been on the water, like ever, ever genuinely ever um and people always presume i have and i'm like no i have no idea <laughs> i could tell you nothing useful about uh rowing on the water absolutely nothing but i could tell you a lot about indoor rowing and i think actually they although obviously transferable i i think they are two separate things starting to become two separate things um and the communities of both are starting to develop um, but I do think it does kind of have the same kinds of characters um, that uh, come to the forefront. And I think it's such a shame, um, not because those people don't deserve to be there, but it would be great to see other people there too and see the range of people who can get into both sports, indoor and on the water. I would, I would just love to see that because I think that would inspire um, more particularly kids to get involved in it um i don't think we see enough women um people of color i think there's a a, a distinct lack of diversity in both sports um and i don't necessarily through think it's through a lack of wanting people there i think it's that a lot of the time we don't know how to get how to help people how use their own voice how can we give them the platform to be able to do that um and i would love to see that absolutely love to see more diversity um in the big characters at the top of the game i think so i uh, uh, on our part we rode with a gentleman called mark hancock who wasn't as tall wasn't as tall as us and i, I think that rowing has become something of a land of the giants and it, it's largely because we've been so successful as an olympic sport and, and our men and women are, are all these huge six foot you know over six foot massive aerobic engine type people mark wasn't as tall as as loon and i by by some distance and that's that's not you know saying anything that that we haven't or we've mentioned him on the podcast so many times because 
he probably wasn't as powerful as us on the erg. I don't think that his erg score was within touching distance of ours, but if you put him in a boat, the boat instantly went better because he could just do it. He, he got it. He was a superb oarsman. But unfortunately, because of the, the success that we've got, and actually, if you look back through our Olympic successes and you go back to people like Martin Cross in 1984 and some of the, the crews around that time, they weren't all these six foot five, six foot six, 18 stone giants. There, there, there was this cross section of society. So you don't have to be massive to move a boat or sit on a rowing machine and no. get something out of it. No. Um, when I uh, went to the English Indoor Champs a couple of years ago, so I only do 500. We don't need to talk about my 2K time. Um, <laughs> um, and I can I can still remember um, I I came second, um, but there was a distinct gap between the the lady who won and my and my time. And I was thinking, I I, I did all right. What? What's happened? And then I saw her walk up and she was about six foot six. And I was like, oh, that happened. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> there we go. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Not that I thought I deserved to win, but I was thinking, what have I done? What's what's happened there? And it, it made a lot more sense. <laughs> it's it's hard to beat long levers sometimes, but it can be done as as Mark Hancock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so in, in terms of this whole kind of like indoor and water rowing. I mean, have you had any, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm terribly sorry. Have you had any interactions with water rowing clubs? No, I haven't. Um, I think a few members of our box have had um, contact with the local local club, um, but, well, they're not members. So um, okay. I don't, it didn't pan out for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, but I know that they have previously approached um, certain people i'm not sure how they found out about them but again it, it does tend to feed into the stereotypes we've got one member is six foot six very tall very athletic um he was approached i think they'd have been daft not to approach him if i'm really honest um and there's been a few others so like quite big powerful people have been approached um but um nothing seems to have come of that whether that was kind of like a personal thing that weren't interested i don't know um but personally no um i haven't heard anything from the local club but equally i've not contacted them so it's not all on the on the club i've not i've not made those steps to make contact yet either i mean what where do you think people from the indoor and crossfit community and where do you think they can reach out to each other and find kind of a way to interact with each other? I so mean, I, I strongly believe for most sports, men and women, that CrossFit can benefit you. Um, Well-coached CrossFit can benefit you. We've all seen the horror stories. We all know that there are bad coaches out there who allow terrible technique and that sort of thing. Um, that doesn't fly at our box. That's not okay. Um, we will make you stand with a PVC pipe and learn the technique, um, no matter how much of a battering your ego might take with that at first. Um, and we genuinely believe the work that we do, the skills that we can provide can only benefit people. And so I, I believe there's scope there where we could provide kind of a, a, a service, um, a class, a specific class where we discuss kind of what it is 
um, that on water roads would need and be able to offer training surrounding that, whether that's in a class environment, writing programming for them so they can access it if they have, you know, if they go to the local gym, that sort of thing. Um, and it, it would be lovely to like see a trade, wouldn't it? Where like we do that and you go, okay, let some of our members give it a bash. Uh, they might be terrible, they might fall in or whatever, but give let them have a bash and, and you come and give this a go. And because one of the biggest um, pillars in, there's like a big pyramid of what's included in CrossFit. The biggest thing is trying new sports. And I don't think any of us within CrossFit do that enough. Uh, there's a few members who do, um, one of the coaches, if anyone's like, our local netball, and he's like, me, 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 I'll help, let me do it um he's straight in trying all the new sports but generally speaking we we don't really do that and it's something that we could do better and i think it's something that roman clubs could do better and i think between us there's that lovely middle ground where um we could all help each other a little bit so to pioneer that and i'm just throwing this out as a suggestion if we were to do an the unruly coach meets broken nose podcast and all meet in march and you take us for a CrossFit session, and then we take you out on the water. You know, Don't I mean, let me drown. Yeah, oh, we wouldn't let you drown. But th- th- this could be social media gold. This could go viral. I would love it. Yeah, I mean, to to be honest, you know that thing you were saying about the kind of the PVC pipe and learning yeah. the Olympic. Okay, so when I first got to Ro- Norwich Rowing Club. I have probably had the the biggest ergo of anyone there. You know, I was I was pushing down to like 620 at that time. And I thought I was going to be brilliant. And literally they took me out in a little wooden rowing boat. You know, literally the kind of thing a gentleman would take a lady out he was he was courting and the lady would steer from the seat in the rear and this rather stern um sort of norfolk native took me down the river and said no no not like that no don't do that don't do that so that kind of like very very kind of high barrier to skill is there in rowing too yeah and now, Aaron's just started to do this because he's just started going out in single skulls, but I have fallen in in every single river I have rowed on, and I see it as a point of pride. Um, so, you know, f- falling in is part of the sport. So I'd <laughs> never be unhappy about falling in. But I'm just going to say, Hillary from York Rowing Club, if you are listening to this, this is an invitation. What, Frankie, what, what, which box are you at? What? Uh, Dominus, Dominus CrossFit. Dominus CrossFit. There you go. Hypatia, 58. <laughs> you know who you are. Get down there. I, um, think, there's, I think there's a definite crossover, though, because in, in rowing, um, if you look at us, Frankie, we, 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 we tend to do a lot of high-volume training, a lot of low-strike rate stuff, especially high-performance clubs and clubs that are going for kind of competitions. And we, we have circuits that we usually do at, at least once, but usually twice a week at, at that level. And they've kind of filtered down from the GB squad. And it's basically 
And, you know, an hour, 70 minutes of complete pain where you might do 45 seconds on a station, 15 seconds to the next station, and you end up as a puddle at, at the end. Or there might be what Dennis used to call the hour of power, which is just basically throwing lumps of very, very heavy metal around. Um, and they're very traditional kind of strength Base circuits and they do work for rowing um, in the sense that the squad has proved that they work. But in terms of actually being flexible enough to try new things and in doing that, develop your, your, your physicality in different ways that will benefit your sport. I think that's a, would be a fantastic positive for, for, for rowers. I, I think so too. I think for any sport, um, but like you say, rowing is so, it's such an all-round sport that I think people don't truly understand it. Um, and I think a combination of like the Olympic lifts and um, so like we run Metcon classes, so metabolic conditioning, and um, they're generally, we call them low skills. So you probably won't see the Olympic lifts, but you'll see like dumbbell work, um, the assault bike, have you ever used an assault bike? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not ringing any bell. Is that the one with the with the? Yeah, that, that that's looks the a one bit with like a cross trainer and a bike. So you think it's going <sighs> to yes, be okay? Yes, I have. I, I have. I still have nightmares about it. About three yeah. o'clock in the morning after eating rich food, it's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, brilliant. No, it's awful, awful. Um, we use all these sorts of things, and so like on a so our main metcon sessions run on a Thursday, and then on Friday evening so tonight rich um the owner he gives me free reign to do the programming and people think because i'm like you can't really tell i've got pink hair but the light doesn't show it pink hair like little tiny smiley thing always in rainbow colored clothes um that i'm all lovely but it's known as death by frankie and um we do about four workouts <laughs> and it's one after the other after the other um but the way the way that we structure it so it sounds horrific, obviously, and they are hard and they are brutal. But the way I program, we do AMRAPs, which is the CrossFit terminology. We use stupid words for everything. So it's as many rounds as possible. And then we give a, a certain window of time. And um, the reason I program a lot of those, particularly in the class-based things, is so that anybody can do it and we all start and finish together. Um, because I know that a lot of people have that worry. Oh, I'm going to be last. I'm going to be last when actually nobody there cares. They just care that you're there trying your best, but it doesn't stop that being a barrier to people sometimes. So on a Friday, that's what we do. We do as many rounds as possible. We do about three or four workouts. Um, and they, they are brutal, but everybody works to their own level of intensity so that we're not, nobody feels like they're trailing or some of the kind of more experienced athletes aren't just answered there a bit like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it kind of hits that lovely middle ground. Um, and I think those sorts of things combined with Olympic lifting because of the technicality of the lift, the use of the core grip work, everything, all of that together can only be beneficial to rowers. It, there's, there's just no way it couldn't be. Um, I, I would I would be hard pressed to find that it's for it to be uh, for it not to be beneficial to, to anybody, really, unless there's huge injury issues and that sort of thing before they come in. Um, I would struggle to see how it wouldn't positively impact somebody's um, capacity. Right, you are. <laughs> um, so you've got that obvious kind of like land training crossover. Yeah. And 
what what would sort of or what things have you said to get because you said you run this specific indoor rowing for crossfit class yeah what what are the things that you say to bring people into that class how, how do you bring say this is fun and positive and so it genuinely we we talked about it for ages because i everyone knew that i loved it um because i've got my own erg and it's got bits of it painted neon pink so everyone knows that's mine and um so kind of i think that in itself created curiosity um because i and i remember always hearing oh i could never do that and I'm like, you, you can sit on a row, you can sit on this and move. You can, that you absolutely can. Um, and they're like, oh, well, I couldn't, couldn't be as fast as you. And I'm like, well, but I've trained to be that fast. That's what I'm I'm trying to do. Um, and like, oh, but I wouldn't know what I was doing. So there was a lot of, it kind of opened up my mind a little bit to what other people were thinking about it. So it made me more aware when I was kind of programming and considering what to put in, of how to overcome those hurdles that they didn't know they'd already told me they face and so that was the biggest thing so when we were talking about it uh rich was like that's fine you crack on you do you do what you want to do with it and i spent quite a while of how what do i do what is it and so every single week um the first thing is exactly the same warm-up um, and it's now become a joke um, because we do see like the same faces coming because they're seeing such growth. Um, but if somebody, <clears throat> they won't be new to the gym very often, obviously, unless we've brought new members in, but um, somebody new to that class, they come in and I purposefully don't stand at the front at the beginning of that class, I potter off and they help each other in the warm up and it's nothing very exciting it's it's a very basic warm up and not even on the rower so i get them to like glute bridges and then they roll over and they do supermans where they're kind of extending their thoracic spine that sort of thing really basic movement patterns but that is the same week in week out so that when they come in um it's already up on the screen so they can see what the warm up is so they're not coming in thinking what am i going to be faced with takes that away um and it takes away me standing and telling them um when it might have taken them quite a lot of courage to come in the first place so actually when their mate next to them's like oh we just you just lay on your back and you do this and it kind of takes that away and then i start to kind of filter in from there and then we go over at the beginning of every single session um putting your feet in the foot plates where it should be, where the straps go across your feet, roughly where your hands want to be on the handle, what your grip should look like, um, how you drive through your heels. And, and just at the beginning, we go through every bit of the stroke. So we spend probably 20, 25 minutes of that session repeating what most of them have already done or for new members, it's, it's new information. Um, and then we apply it and then we do the workout. So I think that's been the biggest thing is that they know they'll come in and it doesn't matter whether they've done this for two years or whether they've done it for <clears throat> two minutes, they will get told exactly what to do every time. And that's, so it takes away that fear of, I can't do that. Um, and I think the minute you can lower somebody's 
well, with cortisol really, when you can get them just to just breathe, it's okay. Um, they've then passed it on. And so now there's a waiting list for most classes and the only limit that we have is how, how many ergs we've got. Um, and I think that in itself, so it's word of mouth really now. Um, I don't really have to do much other than wonder over and I'm like, what are you rowing? I'm like, don't judge me. Leave me alone now because they understand what they're looking at on the monitor. And I'm like, no, thank you. You can go away. <laughs> so it's all about taking away the barriers, to, <laughs> the barriers to entry. Mm -hmm. And then once you've taken away those barriers, what you're actually doing with your warm up and your, your lead into your session is you're constantly reinforcing good technical habits so that then they get the most out of the session. Yeah, we have a jokey thing because um, I don't you'll, you've probably not seen um, kind of grassroots level crossfitters on on a, a rower. And I joke about it. It's like the crossfit way of rowing. And there's very much a big old scoop right up and um yeah right up to their chins while they've went back into next door's garden and um and then they sit at the back for ages and then they go back in and start all over again um and i was terrible for it and i think because people knew that i that's how i used to row that they were kind of quite receptive to um changing technique and we have kind of like a jokey thing because a lot of them come right up onto the toes um, and then drive from their toes. And um, so now there's a thing where I force them to keep their heels down and um, they and explain like, it's almost like a graduation thing of, I'm not going to criticize you now because you're doing good technique like 80% of the time. So if your heels come up, that's okay. That's all right, because I know you will uh, drive through your heels regardless. So um, we, it is kind of a jokey thing now and people know what I'm looking for. And it's it's the changes I've seen. So we've only been running this since lockdown was lifted. And it's the changes, I can't get over some of them. I can immediately think of a few of the members where when they first came in, I was thinking, right, okay. <laughs> one thing at a time what are we starting with first and now i'm walking around i'm like you're like a different person and they they're coming in confident and excited what they're going to do today and like they entered um an online competition they just never would have done they just wouldn't have had the confidence to do it and they just gave it their best go and we ran it across the three weeks so they got to do it with each other as well and it was just yeah, the changes and the confidence in people, the minute they realize that they're getting something right um, or technically correct, that they suddenly go, oh, oh, I can do it. <laughs> to be fair, uh, we can't claim any moral high ground as rowers with regards to good technique, because we we had, a, a, first of all, in rowing clubs, you will see a lot of rowers who, who, do, who do this pulling up to the, they pull up towards that because the extra distance gives them a slightly better split. And we had a we had a rower called Ali Chapman, who was a superb oarsman, technically and and physically. And he did something called the the Chapman layback, where he would simultaneously draw up to his chin, and he'd practically be horizontal at the at the back because it it, it helped to split. And and the, and we coached him out of it by at certain points during long sessions, we would go full crew Chapman layback, and we would all start doing this lying <laughs> down at the back end. And eventually, it's like, okay, guys, I get the point. Okay. <laughs> But the, the thing is, it does take time. And, and also you can learn bad technical habits by not being shown how to do it. And it takes a while to coach them out uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. 
Do you guys ever like all try and row in sync? Is, is, is that a thing? Like, like you guys do. Yeah. I wouldn't um, go that far. We we drifted a lot. Our, our 18 strokes a minute in sync looked more like a, a chorus line that had had a serious drink. <laughs> every so often we came back it, yeah. together, but yeah. Um, no, so, well, they did it by accident last week because we were doing stroke rate work and it was one of their first sessions kind of on stroke rate. And kind of half the class were facing one way and half the class were like, so they were facing in. And one side, without realising, all set off at the same point. And I started laughing. I was like, do you know how difficult that is to be that in sync? And I was like, so either you're all doing it perfectly or you're all completely off, but you're all together. So it's okay. <laughs> um, so no, we haven't intentionally done it. Um, but it's how I started learning about stroke rate because I sat next to my friend um, when I didn't understand rowing and I just copied him. And he was doing stroke rate stuff. And I would just literally sit there and I'd be like, okay, okay, I'm back in. Okay, right, I'm back out. And I had no idea what I was doing. And I would just, I was like a little puppy, just copying him. Like, I'm back in. Oh, I'm back out. Oh, my heels are up. Okay. I had no idea what I was doing. And that's how, um, but yeah, so I've unintentionally, well, no, mine was very much intentional. It must have driven him mad, really, if you think about it. Just having this person following him round. Like, let me, let me be included. Um, yeah, so I intentionally did it. He didn't. Um, but no, I think it looks really cool, though, when they do. I think I watch you guys when you do do stuff like that. I'm like, that's so impressive. Yeah, and, I mean, then, and then we get in a boat and it all goes to crap. <laughs> Well, there were times when it was okay. I mean, there were there times it was decent. Three outings I can remember when it was good. Yeah. Um, Out of how many hundred? <laughs> One, two hundred, maybe. Yeah. Um, Frankie, something you mentioned when it when it came to this is like you said you're doing a qualification with dark horse rowing, and and this is something that I think with all of the interviews we've done for the Broken Oars Indoors there series somebody's mentioned it at some point could you tell us a little bit about dark horse rowing and what it does and what it can offer so i single-handedly think it is the best resource indoor rowing for joe blogs you can find i think he's absolutely phenomenal he breaks down all the misconceptions about it he makes technique seem simple um and very accessible and he he does like a mix of things of like what benefits indoor rowing can bring to you what um what what it can do for your day-to-day -day life and then he also brings in like row along with me and that sort of thing and i think if you're brand new to indoor rowing or you're not at a, a rowing club or a crossfit box where actually it's not something you know, if you're going to a like a, a globo gym, um, it can feel really intimidating getting on a bit of kit and not really knowing what to do. And, and it strips that away a little bit. And, or also for people who can't do that, but could get hold of a rower means that they can do it. And while my accreditation is with concept, so it's um, for concept two, um, he does discuss other um 
other machines. So he like uses a water one, he uses, and so you never feel like, okay, well, I can't afford to fork out just short of 900 pounds. I've just got like this cheap one that I found on, on Facebook marketplace or whatever. Um, you don't feel like you're less than for not having, it's like the kids at school and say, if you haven't got the wrong trainers on that sort of thing. Um, and he very much makes it of like, doesn't matter. Have you got some shoes on? And it's, that's the kind of approach he takes. And, um, with the training so that for the coaches, it's a very similar approach, breaks it right down of this is what you're looking for. This is what the technique is. This is why it is. Um, and then at the end, um, we've got to do a, like a, to the camera piece where you're discussing what you're looking for. Basically everything you've learned, can you consolidate it and relay it um, in a way that is personable and makes it, makes it work and it does get sent back to you. So I've seen a few people, they said it's very rare that they actually um, approve somebody immediately. It gets sent back and go, actually, no, I think there's other ways you could explain this. And it's all in a very positive way. It's not a, that's not good enough. It's like, actually, if you reworded this or you tried it like this, this might work better. This might help people more. Um, and I think that's why I was drawn to doing it with them because they were very much driven by how can this work for people how how can this help make people happy which is is everything i stand for too um, so it's it's not necessarily prescriptive although there is a there is a qualification and a learning process it's <laughs> it's very supportive and it's all about your development yes yeah absolutely i think um i think they take great pride in their name and so they're very mindful of who um who they kind of tick off to go, I did that through rather than um, just going, yeah, okay, tick the box off you go. They're very, very much like they want good coaches out there um, because it only, it only benefits them as well as a business, but like from a business point of view, if your coaches are good coaches and somebody goes, oh, where did you train? And you say dark horse rowing. And um, whereas if you're a little bit dodgy and then you start going, yeah, I did my training with, they're thinking no shut up <laughs> um but i think yeah i think it very much comes from wanting to make the indoor own community a more accessible and better place cool and just as like drop in a plug for dark horse who are like vastly beyond our scale of operations where where would you find and interact with them um they're most active on youtube um, okay. You can access everything from them on YouTube um, and they've got a really solid website. So they've, it's just darkhorserain.com, I think. Um, and they, I think they sell merchandise with uh, square blades. Cool. I think. There you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah we, we know about square blades. We do. Um, we should put probably get them on the podcast um, <laughs> so um, tell them you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, I, I realise we've just skipped through to 10 o'clock. Are you okay for time? Um, I think so, unless my husband starts knocking on the door because he's got a call. Um, but I think his has been delayed a bit, so it's okay. If I still have to disappear, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned you had your own rowing machine. Yes. What do, do you have your own training plan? What training do you do? 
Um, so at the minute, I haven't told anyone, but I'm doing the British virtual champs. Yeah, um, in a few weeks. Um, I get very I get stage fright. So okay. I, I don't tell many people when I've got competition stuff coming up. Um, so I'm actually following uh garage athletes 500 meter plan um cool. at the minute. And I've done engine by cars and stuff before. I've followed my own stuff, which works, but I just don't follow it when it's my own. I'm just terrible. When it's my own, when I've done it, I'm like, now it's Sheena. <laughs> Start start going off on a tangent um but yeah so at the minute it's 500 meter training um because you will not catch me doing a 2k not for me <laughs> Fine. it's a it, it's one of those things we've talked about on the pod a lot and we've had uh people like andy triggs hodge and eric murray who, who said you know winning an olympic gold is fantastic but 2000 meter racing in a straight line is incredibly boring mm. because they're brought up on rivers and they're club rowers and they like the twisty bits and the fact that you can pile into the reeds and that sort of stuff the 2k distance is uh, i know why it's there because it's a mix of explosive speed and speed endurance so it's a, yeah. it's a full test mm -hmm. but it's still horrific let's not yeah. mince any words yeah awful awful I mean, Lewin really likes them. I've done a few 500 meters and they can be pretty bad in the last 20 seconds. Do you know what? I, I always say that I think they're two different kinds of pain and I think 500 meters is worse, but it finishes quicker, so it's all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the 500 meters, you start and you know you're just in for a world of pain till that ends. Whereas I just think that the, the grit that 2K takes... When you're getting to like, when you've got a thousand meters, you're like, I've got to do this all over again. I, j I just don't think I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I get about halfway and I'm like, I don't think I want to do this enough to tolerate this pain. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas when you do 500, you get to about 400, you're like, well, I'm nearly there now, so I may as well just dig in. <laughs> I can see the finish. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the weird thing about 2K. There's a point about halfway through where the start line looks a long, long way, or even on a rowing machine, the start line, you can't remember it. And the finish looks like it's never going to come. Yeah. 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 You guys just need to get better about lying to yourselves. It's just... <laughs> right. We're, we're too I, honest. I just we're have literally... <laughs> From about 750 meters into a 2K, I just have a, a series of, okay, what my wife would call self-talk, <laughs> but what I, lit, I will accept, I am lying to myself until I reach 700 meters to go. And then I can say, whatever's left, I can do that. If, if I've got to 700 meters to go and I haven't completely exploded, I know I can probably finish. Oh, see, I just start thinking I, I could finish it, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I can't I can't actually give you a solution for that. I just I just I'd rather not do that. I'm okay, thanks. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really weird you're good. though. You're good. It's really weird though, because I really enjoyed head racing like for over five or six kilometers where the pain was constant for a much, much longer period of time. It, 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 I don't remember hurting any less in the end. It just seemed to kind of build in, in waves until it was kind of crashed over you. But I, I like the longer distances, but the 2K is just, it's an evil distance. Um, so 
Strictly speaking, with the 500, it, it's a very sort of different event, very different technique. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what sort of time are you going for? Am I allowed to ask this? Yeah, that's fine. Um, so my PB is 144.4. Um, I think I, I would love to say, I would, my big goal is in the next couple of years to get it sub 140. Cool. Um, I would like to see that drop by a couple of seconds this time round, but it has been a while. Um, because my big my biggest thing is is panic, not the actual my ability to do the race, which then infuriates me because um, you feel like there's this unfulfilled potential there. Um, but yeah, so I'm I would love to see like a one forty two ish time this time cool. round. Um, and aiming for this time next year to be looking at sub one forty, um, I think I think they're I think they're reasonable goals. Uh, from my training, everything's going on track. So um, yeah, it's I, there, there seems to be this little gap, particularly in um, my category because I'm in the thirty to thirty nine heavyweight. Um, this little window between like kind of my time at the minute, so like one forty four, one forty five ish. And then sub 140, there's this like four second window where not many women seem to sit and I don't know why. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I can't work out if it's um, linked to a like a physical thing or whether it's people who've kind of gone, I like doing it, but I, I kind of, this is fine. And to people who are kind of more active in their training, like specific training, I'm, I'm not really sure. So I'm trying to work out what it is. And I'm giving it my best go of trying to fit in the middle of that gap somewhere. <laughs> Superb. Um, well, I, I think I think there is a hell of a lot to be said for trying to, in indoor rowing, spotting your kind of your niche where you can compete the best. Yeah. And that you know, and particularly when you've got the age group categories mm-hmm. and the different events, like saying, "There's an opening for me. I'm going to go for that. Yeah. And I'm going to train as hard as I can for it." Yeah. That's brilliant. So. Um, I think I'm, I'm looking at the whole list of questions there and I don't have anything else I want to ask you apart from the whole Yorkshire thing and Olympic medals. Is there, is there some kind of fundamental thing in Yorkshire that makes people do more sport and do it harder? The tea. There we go. That's it. One word answer. Yorkshire puddings, that's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> Yorkshire pudding and tea. There you go. <laughs> I've told you about the North so many times, London. It's a, uh, uh, Lewin, it's a London. Well, there's a Freudian slip for you. I've told you about the North so many times, Lewin. It's a wonderful place full of warm hearted and open people. And we're going to have indoor plumbing soon. It's going to be great. Brilliant. Um, so, well, I'll probably see you on the eleventh online because yeah. I'm I'm doing I'm doing the two K. Um, it could be very interesting because, strictly speaking, I'm meant to be in work. <laughs> well, because you better not I, put this out. <laughs> I, yeah, because anyone's going to listen to it. Um, but yeah, I. So I. I'm genuinely worried that I might have to stop a lesson halfway through. I haven't looked at my timetable yet, but I might have to stop a lesson halfway through and say, right, guys, for the next, like, 
seven minutes, you can watch me sweat. And <laughs> I'll be back in a second. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll literally, I'm just going to have to have an erg set up in the classroom. <laughs> I just like borrow school's Wi-Fi connection and just like batter it away. I just have a mental image of you now, not not stopping a lesson halfway through, but stopping an erg halfway through to say, sorry, I need I need to teach about the Krebs yeah. cycle now or something like that. <laughs> That's biology, Aaron. It's the same thing. Biology, chemistry, physics, they're all science, Lou, and at least they say they are. <laughs> Who's science? Who's science? Yeah, okay. So I have one last question yeah. that I'd like to ask you. From your point of view, what makes rowing better what make indoor rowing better and what make the ergo better um what was making oh that's such a big question um what was make indoor rowing better um it mm, it'd be more accessible there you go yeah financially a lot of the times most people want a concept too um, and I understand the pricing of it, and that's fine, but um, it being more accessible. Cool. Okay, right. I'm going to throw something out there. Mm -hmm. um, our last guest, a guy called James Terrell, um, yeah. was a software developer. He's got the Pain Sled app that lets you row around the Zwift program. Oh, yeah. He is developing. And I'm yeah, I'm allowed to talk about this because he talked about it on the last one. He is developing a smart handle. So basically, it's a handle that goes on any rowing machine and will give you a Concept2 score. That's amazing. And hopefully, he's saying it's going to come out for like $70 or something. Oh, my God. I might be wrong about that. James, if I'm wrong about that, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Aaron, you're editing that bit. Um, we'll edit it, don't worry. The, the idea is that you can put it on your kind of your Zebex yeah. rowing machine. He says Zebex, which like still costs about 700 quid, but sort of like your Argos rowing machine, yeah. um, you put it on there and it will give you a comparable output to a Concept2 monitor. That's amazing. So, yeah, watch that space. Hopefully that will be coming out from the Exascreen company. At that's, some point. that's fab. Love Is things like that. Is there anything else that, that that you would like to mention that that we can put out to 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 help your business, to help your classes, to help where you where you train? Come and see us. We I'm aware that in all seriousness, come and see us. Um, it, I'm aware CrossFit comes across really intimidating. Um, it it literally changed my life, and that sounds and that's not me throwing around the word literally. It's it's gave me a friendship circle as an adult that I genuinely never thought I would be able to have because being an adult is hard and making friends is hard especially as an adult when you're kind of feeling a little bit lonely and I know I'm not alone in that so if you are in the New York area come and see us um if you want to give indoor rowing a bash and you're not near York drop me a message and I will make it accessible for you we'll find where's where you can access one we'll get you on the we'll get you on the erg and we'll get going um but yeah if you want to ever get in touch just just drop me a message on instagram and and i'm there right so in terms of people who might be listening to this um york city rowing club and yorkshire rowing you heard the lady get in touch <laughs>
Frankie, thank you very, very much for your time. Really appreciate it. You've been a brilliant guest. Oh, thanks um, for having me. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. <laughs> okay, this is Broken Oars Indoors signing out.